0: Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro-powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeGioia, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. On this episode, is all about Vegas, baby, with Tony Pedregon and a mystery guest to be named later. Eric Anders is your 2020 Pro Stock World Champion in stunning fashion. High stakes drag racing in Sin City. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Polachek for the first time in his career. This is the NHRA Insider. Tony Schumacher. Wow, what an appropriate way to end this one. 28-10,000 to the strike. An instant classic final round. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Loans, and we have a Las Vegas race week show. Coming up this week, of course, the Dodge SRT Las Vegas Nationals presented by Pennzoil out at the strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, second to last race of the year, and certainly one that is going to bring a lot of these championship races to a head. We have a lot of very close competition going on. I'm going to be talking to Tony Pedregon about that when he comes on the show in a few minutes, and then uh, we will have a mystery guest later on, and I say it's a mystery guest because, frankly, as I make this show, I'm still trying to figure out who the guest is going to be. There's no uh, grand plan here, but there will be somebody coming up in the second half of this show, and i got a pretty good idea you're going to like who it is because uh, I've made early Contact with one of our competitors in Vegas and someone that I'm pretty sure you're going to be interested in hearing from. You know, it has been a tough week in the world of NHRA camping, world drag racing. Many of you have seen on social media, perhaps through NHRA.com or through various posts from drivers or other crew members, that uh, a young man named Dylan Cromwell, who has been a lengthy crew member with Jim Head Racing, has been working for Jim Head, I believe, since 2018. Young guy was driving one of the team's trucks in in the Indianapolis area over the course of this past weekend, and through no fault of his own, he was driving uh, as one would you know, expect a professional truck driver to be driving. Uh, he was struck head-on by a jackknifing tractor-trailer heading in the opposite direction. And unfortunately, Dylan lost his life, and it has reverberated through the NHRA community. We have heard a lot of statements made by racers, made by... Uh, various teams, and you know this was a very good guy, a young man who was mature beyond his years who worked very hard for the team. Every single person that has said anything about Dylan Cromwell has said positive things and remembered him in a positive way. This will obviously uh, hamper and or effectively end the season, uh, as I understand it, for Jim head Blake Alexander. Um, you know, beyond the mechanical toll of losing a truck, the emotional toll of losing a a valued crew member has definitely placed them in a in a position where not to say that it ever is, but racing is secondary to those guys right now. And and well, it should be so uh, we send our condolences, really, everybody in the NHRA and All the fans out there, it's uh, a very tough thing. We think about the the miles, the accumulated miles. If we talk about the number of miles, not just an individual team, but the number of miles collectively that are driven over the course of a year by – uh, drivers in tractor-trailer trucks, or even the teams in their in their crew vehicles. The majority of them do transit themselves to the races in those, you know, you see those branded crew vehicles that are towing cars down the return road. Well, those are also typically shuttling teams to and from races. And I don't just mean from the hotel and back. I mean, like, from Indy to Seattle type of thing. The amount of accumulated miles uh, is a huge, huge number if we take them all and add them together, in the millions if we add them up among all our teams. So, uh, it is always sad when something like this happens. It comes out of nowhere, and and it comes it comes and just shocks the community. So, uh, on that note, again, we send our condolences to the family of Dylan Cromwell, to Blake Alexander and Jim Head and their entire team. They lost uh, they lost a man that uh, they certainly felt as a brother, and uh, Dylan's family, of course, lost uh, lost more than that. So, um, if there is not much more we can say here. Um, Other than that we're very sorry that it has happened and certainly very sorry for the entire community that has been dealing with it. It is a moment that shows how much depth and how much caring and how much love exists in this world of drag racing when we see the outpouring of support from various teams and people that have known and lived around Dylan for the time that he has spent uh, in the sport of drag racing. So, it is a somber way to begin the show but a necessary one is that uh, really has been a story that has rocked the drag racing world over the last few days so as we look to las vegas uh, we understand that there will be overtones of the loss of dylan cromwell at this race undoubtedly his name will be brought up by many drivers and competitors over the course of the weekend certainly uh, rightfully and uh, And that's just kind of how it's going to be. When we look at the competition element of this race, which we do have to do, we do have to, you know, continue moving ahead. And as sad as it is, the loss of Dylan Cromwell, this is not a guy who would want us to sit around and, um, and, you know, put the brakes on, on everything we're doing. And so we can't do that. And uh, we're not going to do that. And as we always do in the world of motorsports, we always honor the loss of people, the memory of people. Uh, by continuing the thing that they loved doing, which is competition. So when we look at what the competition will look like, will feel like in Vegas, it's going to be, It's. Gonna, <laughs> we look at what Bristol was, and we go from one extreme to the other. Of course, we did not have pro stock in Bristol. We get them back in Vegas. The last two races feature all four of our Camping World categories. But we go from that racetrack that uh, we've we've made a big deal about. We'll continue to make a big deal about how challenging it is to tune a car to get down it. And then we get to Vegas, which is the antithesis of that. It is as smooth as it can be. When they extended the track to four lanes a few years back, it was resurfaced wholly, and they did a fantastic job. So you're going to see a different style of racing in Vegas than you saw in Bristol, in my opinion. The weather, uh, as it typically does in the fall and the desert, looks very good. Our qualifying sessions will be held in cool air. Sunday appears to be cool temperatures as well. So all of this adds up to what should be a very fast weekend in Vegas. And remember, Vegas is an elevation track. We're going to the high desert of Nevada, so that does rob a little horsepower. So we may not see the crazy numbers we saw to Dallas, but what you're going to see is you're going to see some very fast runs. We have Tony Pedregon on the show here in a few minutes. We're going to talk about the racers that need to win this event. And to kind of stay on the pro stock side of things, I'm going to bring this point up to Tony. I feel like Greg Anderson needs to win it just as much as Erica Enders needs to win it. And it's an interesting thing when you're the points leader who does have a pretty decent cushion right now. You're coming into this racetrack with a woman who wins here almost at will. And so we're going to talk to Tony about that and a myriad of other topics as we look through our four camping world categories. Uh, The Rookie of the Year battle, I want to talk about that with Tony as well between Dallas Glenn and Josh Hart. I mean, there are a bunch of candidates that have qualified for Rookie of the Year status. But when we really break it down, the two front runners are going to be Josh Hart and Dallas Glenn. Multiple race victories, multiple final rounds. One of the drivers made the playoffs. One of the drivers ran their respective full season. The other didn't. You know, we can go back and forth on this debate, and I believe that we will once we get on the phone with Tony here in a little while. So I think when we look at Las Vegas and what it represents, uh, it will represent a, a high energy event. It's the Halloween weekend, of course, that we all know and love. The teams all get to dress up and they will take full advantage of that on Saturday. And then the environment changes to a very serious tone on Sunday where racers have to put the game face on and really try to get after it in order to either save a season, salvage a season or potentially lock a season down. There is not a single championship that can be physically locked at Las Vegas. I say that if if anything, if anything normal happens, nobody's locking a championship down in Vegas. If uh, you know, for example, somebody's car doesn't start in the first round, and 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 Greg, Anderson, let's say Erica's car doesn't start in the first round, and Greg Anderson goes and wins the race, now we may be talking a different story. But following the logic chain, all these championships, all four of them, will go all the way down to Pomona unless, as I said, the wacky, weird craziness happens. Last week at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, it should be uh, mentioned that the Electric Daisy Carnival was held, which is a massive uh, EDM, Electronic Dance Music Festival, that is just huge. It's all contained inside the Super Speedway, but the drag racing pit area is a giant campground as well as other areas, so there's a huge changeover happening. As we make this show, there are like thousands of individual campsites being cleaned up, motorhomes being pulled out, people leaving, and the drag racers will be pulling in the pits here over the next day or two. And it's an incredible kind of flip-flop at this facility to go from putting on one of the largest uh, EDM events in the world to putting on this massive drag race, which will be happening this weekend with very little margin for error between. Now, there is no activity from the concert on the drag strip itself, so you don't have to worry about the racing surface. It's just trying to get the pit area evacuated, and then, of course, all the leftover stuff, which you can only imagine what that looks like at the end of an event like that. So there's a lot of hustle going on at the racetrack itself to prepare for this event, as certainly there is a lot of hustle going on in the various team garages as the the teams get ready to, to make the final push out west. One thing I'm going to mention before I get Tony on the show, there was an interesting thing going on in pro stock about a week ago where the Quadra family took their cars to Elite Motorsports and dynoed their engines. Now, they did not replace their engines with Elite Motorsports engines. They tested the engines there to find that these engines are built by Frank Iaconio within very small, and I'm talking low single-digit horsepower numbers to what Elite was putting out. So then they concentrated on the race cars themselves, made wholesale and very significant chassis changes. And from the rumor mill that I have heard, the Quadra cars are running as good as the top level elite cars are running right now. And they were running in the 650s when they were in Tulsa. This is a potentially big development for when we get to Vegas because we don't have... We have 18 Pro Stock cars, maybe 19 on the sheet right now, which means there is going to be a bump spot, so you have to fight your way in. But when we look at those Quadra cars, which have not performed really up to the level we've expected this year, if this trip to Elite Motorsports has done what they believe it has done, that thickens the plot for our championship contenders once again. And then we have to look at what the net effect of it. Is there any sort of agreement in the background that, hey, we helped you out here? So if it comes down to brass tacks, it's us versus you or it's us over you. I mean, we're going to look at all this stuff. We'll be paying uh, Hawkeye attention to it. And we're going to start talking about some of those storylines right now as I welcome our first guest onto the show. He is the analyst on our NHRA on Fox broadcast. He and I typically work in a small little room together. Him to my right, me on the left. He is Tony Pedragon, the NHRA on Fox analyst and two-time NHRA Nitro Funny Car World Champion. Tony how are you doing, man?
1: Good. Good morning, Brian. The sun uh, finally came out here in Indy, and uh, it's a shame because we're both getting on a plane here in uh, about a day and a
0: half. Yeah, luckily for us, it does appear we're going to have like fantastic weather out there in the desert, which is always a good thing in the fall. Uh, you know, you mentioned Indy, and one of the things I want to bring up before we get into some of the racing stuff, you live out there in Brownsburg. Obviously, it's been a very difficult couple of days since the, uh, since the Dylan Cromwell accident.
1: Yeah, Brian, that's uh, you know, quite the tragedy. You know, you and I have kids; they're a little y- younger, but uh, Dylan was young, way too young, and it's a very unfortunate uh, accident. And you know, of course, our warmest thoughts go out to his family, in particular, and of course, uh, Jim Head and his whole racing team. Uh, I didn't know Dylan, uh, but I, I, I knew of him, and uh, and it's it's an absolute shame. I know the weather has been very it's cooling off. It's been uh, raining over the last few days. I'm sure it was rain related. And you know, when you talk about trucks that are going across the road, I mean, that's close to 80,000 pounds. And, um, you know, there are a lot of drivers, I really don't know uh, the details, nor do I want to speak on the details. But um, I know that cars need and should have more respect for big rigs, uh, you know, going down the highway.
0: Yeah, that's a fact. And, you know, you've you've been a team owner. You've been in a situation where, you know, you're, uh, you're you're basically operating a small trucking company, right? I mean, you have these multiple rigs that you're sending out race to race. And I mentioned at the top of the show the accumulated miles that these trucks run over the course of a year. If we add up all the miles from all the teams, we'd be in the millions of accumulated miles for NHRA teams over the course of a year.
1: Yeah, they really are. Um, and, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, there was always uh, – somewhat of a consultant uh that all of the teams you know look to i know that uh, we paid a, a retainer for uh just to go over keep us updated on all the regulations yeah. all the permits and really all the safety you know that the drivers have to uh, you know rely on yeah. to go down the road but you know CDL is you know is one of the requirements for you know a lot of the crew members so they can get in these rigs you know we need uh you know, and it's usually a, a minimum of two, sure. uh, a two person function, you know, in a semi hauler to go down the road. Uh, or if you have one, you know, of course he's going to take breaks and, and, uh, you know, today with these, you know, I'm used to CHP and all the regulations, the DOT, you know, they're allowed X amount of time in the rig and they have to stop and rest. And, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. I, I think, you know, a lot of us that have had teams, uh, you know, in my case in the past, you know, we've had some fender benders, but you know, never, you know, to this to this degree. And, uh, it's it's just a horrible situation for any of those uh, that involved and it does. It impacts all of us. I mean, I think we all feel, you know, for that family for Dylan and uh, for everyone involved.
0: You bet. And uh, as I also mentioned, you know, this is not a guy that would want the uh, the music to stop because of uh, something uh, the, of this nature happening to him. So we continue on. The series continues on. Obviously, uh, Blake Alexander and Jim Head will not be continuing with us to Vegas. They have certainly uh, larger things to handle they're going to be uh you know with the family and everything else so um to to your echo your point one last time we're, we're all thinking of this family we're all thinking of dylan and that team and i'm sure his name will be uh coming up very frequently in vegas so i want to talk about vegas and i want to talk about the people that have to win this week because it has come down to that point i believe for for a few racers and i want to kind of go class by class on this so i want to start with pro stock motorcycle and to me the only answer to this question is steve johnson right
1: yeah well i mean angel has kind of quietly snuck into that conversation and you know right now i i think you know not only does she have the momentum but you know she's she seems to have the performance the consistency she seems to have everything that it takes to make a run right at about this time you know with two races i mean it's It really comes down to the last race, but this weekend really is going to set the stage for those riders that are going to be battling. I mean, it it just seemed like it was going to be Steve. You know, I in fact I I threw a little money out there, Steve, not to put any pressure on you. I I stand to lose a bet if uh, you don't get your stuff together here and quick. Um, You know, it just seems like you know most of what has happened to Steve is you know is mechanical. You know, it's uh, you know some mechanical issues maybe uh not so much the decisions in terms of tuning it's just you know by not starting um you know i think i uh, he sent me a text and you know it was one of the runs it's a pretty impressive qualifying run a lot of smoke uh that came from the clutch but you know those are the things that you know that matter those are the details that make the difference uh, can make you break you so i think steve can still come through i'm pretty sure that he's working around the clock i don't know that they're too many more guys that are as dedicated as Steve Johnson, um, and, and that's as, as shorthanded as he is. You know, yeah. so I think he does a great job, but I think it's time for him to focus. and And I hope that he has the necessary help to support him because when you look at, you know, of course, we don't need to tell anyone the resources that Vance and Hyde has. Uh, yes. you know, they're they're a very professional team, very organized. Uh, very resourceful and they have a lot of depth and they have as much talent as as a bike team uh, you're you're going to see with these pro stock bikes um and matt smith the same he's proven it i think um i think it's going to be interesting to see if matt can respond to what angel has done but you know i'm not going to count steve johnson out i think his performance really speaks for itself and if he can get it together he's uh, he's going to go into that last race contesting.
0: Yeah, and to me, the, the 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 big odds stacked against Johnson are a couple things. One, obviously, the bike has just—I mean, Bristol was a nightmare. There's no real way to sugarcoat it or get around it. It was the bike went down the racetrack. I think one time out of any attempt he made, um, you know, they've gone back and and they're doing their best to regroup. I think there's a question of. I think there's, you know, and to be brutally honest, there's a question of preparedness there. Can they prepare for Vegas? Can they figure out what the problems are? And then mentally, can they get around it? I think the second big thing he faces is the fact that he has no help. Angel has help. She's got Eddie who's still, you know, in it. She's got Andrew who's going to go out there and be a blocker. He's ninth. He's, He's way too far out to be a contender. And then you look at Matt and Matt has Angie who won the race last year to, to do what he needs to do. And then he's, he's also going to have Scotty Palachuk there, another contending bike. But when push comes to shove, we know how this works. So Johnson really has no help. So if he's going to do it, he's going to have to go through everybody himself. And trust me, there's an element of me, not just to see you win a bet. Cause I lost a bet to the same guy. You're going to lose your bet to probably. Uh, there's an element of me that wants to see him succeed in Vegas because it really does set up this epic potential three bike showdown in, in Pomona but, man, coming off of Bristol, i just got a real hard time seeing it.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, Brian, you bring, you bring up a good point. And I really know what it's like to be in Steve's position. Uh, I would go back to 2009. You know, in 07, I won the championship. Cruz won in 08. In 09, um, you know, I, I had to start making some tough business decisions. And, you know, because, of course, you know, the recession hit. Yeah. And, the, uh, you know, economics were in the tank and so i had to make some tough decisions just like a lot of the companies that um you know supported teams sports marketing in a tough economy is usually the first to get cut and um you know i, I remember having to uh, eliminate the assistant crew chief position and uh you know and of course that kind of set off a, a domino effect and you know dickie was then tuning the car but we were leading the points going into the countdown and Uh, Dickie left and, you know, we were lucky we won Brainerd and and we were really in the thick of things. But if I had to do it over again, I think I would have uh, and I stuck my neck out plenty. But if I look back, you really have to ask yourself, how many times is a driver or a rider going to be in a position going, you know, going into the last couple, two, three races in that position to win a championship? And when I look back on that, you know, I kind of think maybe I should have taken a loan out. And bought a batch of clutch discs, you know. And <laughs> yeah. I think about Steve and the situation yeah. he's in, and I've got to think that he has brought someone in that is familiar with these machines that can help him because he is still, even though he's, you know, he stumbled at the last race, and then you can go back to the race before that at Dallas, but you look at his performance before these mechanical issues really set in, he was the number one qualifier at Dallas very impressive first and second round and then he couldn't answer the call his bike wouldn't start yeah um, in the semifinals. so that's where the problems began but you know he's still he's just within a couple of rounds so that that's really I'm sure something that Steve is is thinking about pondering I hope he's done it. I hope that he has brought some help in uh, to help him make a run at it because I, I, you know we, we when's the last time we talked about Steve Johnson? Being in that conversation going into the last two races,
0: yeah, right? long time ago, very long time ago. Now we move to the oh. pro stock car category. Uh, you know, I think the answer here. Now, this is actually to me. There's two people. I think Greg's going to win this race, and I think Erica's going to win this race. And Erica is is almost unbeatable at Vegas. She, of the last 14 events, we've won. Run there, she's won seven of them, and I think she's won the last three in a row. And I just don't feel like Greg can give her an inch of ground. And I, obviously, she can't give Greg any more leash either.
1: I agree. I, you know, Eric, uh, that's that's tough, and that's no coincidence that that car has performed so well. You know, we're only going from 800 or 1,800 to 2,100 feet in elevation, so there's not a big swing in 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 terms of tuning. Uh, there is some. They're still going to have to, you know, tune and play with timing and gearing, and you know, when you think about, you, you look at Greg, and I mean, it's just a few rounds, but. Uh I, I agree. I mean I think that um I think that Greg has to rise to the occasion. I mean, I, I think Erica um has a little more momentum right now. I think she's she's coming off a whole shot loss and you know, for the good drivers I've noticed a pattern. It it doesn't happen two races in a row. Not with the good ones. Um and, and so I and I we've seen the pattern from Erica when she's gotten beat on a whole shot. Uh she remembers that and but she's, she's able to deal with it. I think she understands the pressure and I think it's just going to be one of those classic battles, you know, between the two of them. And I think what's going to be interesting to see is, is how, you know, Greg has to race, you know, his teammates, Dallas and Kyle, we've talked about team racing in the past and, you know, there's a conflict of interest when you have different sponsors, when you have, one team owner that controls everything well that's when it can get a little muddy but in the case of of greg and and kb and 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 maybe even the elite cars you know you have other interests you have other uh sponsors and other people that are flipping the bill and some of them may not want to hear about you know uh, one car blocking for the other so I, i think it seems to be a little bit cleaner in pro stock i mean i hope that Ultimately, it's settled maybe in the semifinal or final round with Greg and Erica going toe to toe.
0: Yeah, me too. And I think if we look at the way that the you know the two armies stack up, I think what the, the interesting kind of wrinkle that I brought up at the beginning of the show is one, you got Bo Butner back in the seat this weekend. So, so elite's gonna have effectively every single one of their available cars on the racetrack, which is typically what they do at this time of the year to maximize you know their potential championship chances. And then I mentioned the fact that the Quadras took that trip out there uh, to Oklahoma, had their stuff dynoed at all, and it, and it dynoed within minuscule amounts of power between them and the, the Elite engine, so they know they got good power, and then they spent, like, days on the race car getting the chassis squared away. And in my mind, I don't necessarily see that whole thing happening unless Elite felt like they they wanted to... Almost deputize the quadras. I mean, it it benefits them to some degree, right? It benefits them to some degree to have a strong running quadra family because who knows? Maybe the maybe the quadras are able to step up and knock out a a, a kb car just like happened to Jason Line last year.
1: Yeah, and those guys are dangerous because they're so good off the starting line. So yeah. they can they can pretend, I mean, all these guys they cut it pretty close. I mean, they they leave it a high rpm. The car reacts. You know, they're 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 dumping a clutch. I mean, just the the uh, physics of a pro stock car they will get off the starting line but there's no denying the ability and the talent of the quadras but you know if you go back and you talk about cars and and guys that have run good at vegas i mean matt hartford's one of them the McGehey seem to be picking up and you know these are guys these are um these are sole entities that do not care Right. about KB and lead. So I, I think that's going to be pretty interesting. I think some other drivers and some other teams are going to play a role in the outcome of this pro stock
0: And so, you know, we moved to Funny Car, and this has just been, I mean, since really day one, race one of the season has been an absolute logjam, and we continue to see it now. It's not as tight a logjam amongst one to ten as we saw coming into the countdown. We have seen some distance between the you know individual players, if you will. But you know, we look at Ron Caps and, and Hagen within one point, and then all of a sudden J.R. Todd is 83 points out of first place, and Cruz is less. Uh, Cruz is just, just 101 out of first place. So to me, those are the four cars and actually five because Force is tied with Cruz. So out of those five cars, who's got to get it done here other than the obvious answer? I mean, who do you think is most critical to actually leave here with a victory?
1: Well, I would say this, Brian. I would say that of the top five drivers, and and I'm not even going to discount, you know, Tasca and Height. I'm going to stop there. I mean, Alexis had a great race. She's coming off of a good win, a big win, but you know, I I don't I don't really believe in miracles. But but when you look at at Force and cruise Uh, J.R. todds he's in the mix. I mean, if he can get to the final or even the late rounds, he's still going to be in it. Yeah. Especially if one of the two, if Caps or Hagen get beat in the second round. And if you think about it, if you really think about top fuel and funny car, and even pro stock uh, for that matter, by the time you get to the second round, you're racing somebody that's quick. Yeah. You're against a quick car, somebody that can leave decent uh, at least. So so anything can happen and JR went into this this last race in Bristol knowing that they had to win and they almost pulled it off but they did enough they did enough by beating I mean if you look at the guys they beat starting out with Hagen in the final Oh first man round, yeah everything right with the exception of getting blindsided by Alexis in the final but she blindsided a lot of guys that day okay but I think whoever comes out, if any of these top five drivers come out of this race with a win, um, and Cruz in particular, then, then they're in the hunt. They're going to be in the thick of things. Now they've both had some missed opportunities, but they can't miss. It's not a hit or miss competition anymore. You've got to hit your marks or you can just enjoy the last race of the year.
0: You know, Um, you, you and I talked about, um, at Bristol, we talked about it was 15 cars or whatever, or I think we up yeah, 15 funny cars or whatnot, and so we talked about the fact that, you know, qualifying is always important, but really there, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up, and JR obviously defied the odds here because he didn't qualify well and then mowed down the best cars in the class, but it, there are 19 cars on the on the entry sheet for Vegas, which means that I think any strategy that we, we might have brought up, some strategy, okay, do you try to find somebody on the ladder, I don't feel like you try to employ that strategy here, right? Because now if you get 19 cars, in reality, 14, 15, 16 are going to be on the struggle bus. So you're going to want one of them first round.
1: No, I agree, Brian. And that's something we brought up. You know, I, I, I'm probably the one, um, the guilty, guilty one that brought that up because, you know, I thought that it was, it was time. And when you, you talk about strategy, I mean, maybe it's something that Wilkerson would consider. Maybe Alexis. Uh, because you know the times almost run out for them, and I don't know that you can just have a good race and go into Pomona just one or two rounds. Because when you yeah, go you one or two, one or two rounds of points and a half, you're out of the game because right. one of them might screw up, but four or five of them aren't going to forget about it. And and while they may not have, you know, uh, uh, strategized the it, it happened. For him because of the conditions in Bristol, the yeah. the extreme, you know, cold and and everything that happened there, it just kind of the pieces fell the way they did, and that was the best thing that could have happened to Jr. So you know he's not in a position where you have to you know start to talk about strategy. But if I was Alexis, if I was Wilkerson, I sure as hell would be. Um, but you know I think if if Jr. or John or Cruz or even Tasker or Robert, if they come out of the Vegas race with a win. The, that's they're going to be doing themselves a lot of good because I think Caps and Hagen they're going to be strong. Um, I, I don't know that you know Hagen's going to get beat in the first round like he did, but any of these guys at any time can sure as heck get beat in the second round, and that leaves the door
0: wide open. Yeah, and Hagen's car, just like Erica Hagen, historically is very, very good at Vegas. He's won, again, I think <laughs> a guy who's on like a three-run, a three-race run as far as wins there. Caps was in the final against him last year, but of course that was when Ron Tobler was tuning the car. And then... Um, in terms of in terms of who's tuning Caps' car now when we look at at Guido and John Medlin they had a tough race in Vegas last year they went out very early and that ended their uh, their shot at a championship so i think that you know we look at strength on strength here i think Guido and uh, Guido and Medlin have something to prove to themselves that they can that they can be what good at Vegas and i think on the other side of things Dicky just needs to keep up the momentum so yeah to your point it's going to be great and highly unpredictable and i think it's going to be you know, the qualifying thing is going to be really fun to watch. And to your point, you know, we we mentioned this this potential strategy of trying to find somebody on the ladder and you bring it up to some people like, oh, and then you get fans calling us idiots. Well, then I sent you that. <laughs> I sent you that clip, which I should I should broadcast it on this show. I sent you the clip from the 86 uh, U.S. Nationals, which was a very late season race in 86. It was only two events post post Indy. And I sent you that clip of Connie Coletta and Don Garlitz, where Coletta's like, yeah, of course I tried to qualify and, and catch him. I only have these two races left to get him. And at that point, Indy was points and a half, or, or Vegas, or whatever, the Pomona race was still points and a half. And so he's like, yeah, I, I'm trying to get him on the ladder to get him, because if I just run two good races, I'm never going to catch him. And it's like, if those guys were doing it freaking 30 years, 40 years ago now, like, stop telling us we're morons. This has been going on for four decades.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's it's one of the smartest, one of the most interesting things that a team can do um, when when they when they attempt it. But they when they attempt it, it's it's another thing to try it. Oh, yeah. but when it works, when it works, it's a thing of beauty. I mean, it's a masterpiece. So, um, I, I just you know, I, I guess one more comment about this funny car, um, this funny car, a points chase. I think it's 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 really going to be one of the classic uh championships whoever can win it but it's really going to come down to one of these drivers one of these five or seven or even eight drivers that are going to have to do something great they're they're almost going to have to do something spectacular now we've already seen that from caps because because he's won on a couple of hole shots got got beat on a whole shot but the trick is to win more of them than you lose um you know, Hagen, he's taken a couple on the chin, but he's got a good car and he's pretty solid. J.R. Todd did something pretty spectacular by by getting to the final round. Um, and, and when you look at Forrest and Cruz and even Tasca, I mean it's Hail Mary time, guys. Yeah. And and when you go to the starting line, come second round. If if you want to play conservative and if you don't wanna try something or do something spectacular, then you know I, I it could be the bearer of bad news, but I, I just know that these moments come down to great moments. It happens in, in our sport. It happens in, in uh, football, NBA, you know, the guys that rise to the occasion. And they, the crew chief, they got to set the car up. But when you look at, you know, the performance of, of one through nine, one through nine, all of these cars can run about the same elapsed times. Okay, so what does it come down to? comes down to the guy in the seat. Contrary to what you know, certain people think, it comes down to the driver in the seat. That's what's going to make the difference.
0: So now we move to top fuel, and you know we you mentioned the number nine. That is the number of wins that Steve Torrance has on the season. Uh, the only other people that have multiple wins are Billy Torrance and Josh Hart. They each have two. Um, so it's right now in the points you got Steve leading Brittany by seventy three, he's one hundred and forty seven up on Ashley, one hundred and fifty up on Mike Salinas, and then it goes two hundred plus. So Mike Salinas was win at Bristol. Like, all of a sudden, should we be considering this guy for something more than we thought of him the whole year? I mean, should we be should we be entering him in the conversation? I mean, what what is the situation with Mike Salinas and his ability to try to actually take this thing to the end?
1: Well, what Mike Salinas has done is very impressive. Um, he's done a good job. You know, we we saw a little flash a few races ago and we thought, hey, that's interesting. And, you know, the verdict was out. Was did he just You know, to eat eat his Wheaties that morning and just have a good day Uh, because you can have you can have one good race. I mean, that could potentially be called an accident, but I don't think it's an accident. I I don't know if he's in a different state of mind. I I think there are some changes that we're hearing, um, maybe minor, but could be major. You know, nobody knows until until it goes down. But um, whatever he has done, whatever soul searching he has done, it's worked and he's been pretty impressive. Um, but I think it's too little too late when you talk about the championship and here's why I think they let Steve off the hook. I think they've done let him off the hook. They should have kicked this guy when he was down, (laughs) even though you don't like to do that, but yeah, you you have to. to. Right. And you should have, you know, some of these other, other teams, they, they just didn't take advantage of, and he really wasn't even down. I mean, for crying out loud, he was still winning races. Um, but they weren't running that great. and, and I, I know they were, you know, they were maybe trying to to keep pace with Brittany, and and then Mike's kind of, you know, stuck his foot in the door, and you know, it just might be a little late. And even Justin, I, I've always thought, you know, when I look at that team in that program, I don't really see a shortage of anything. I see one of the most talented drivers. Yeah. That that is is a top three. And when when you when you talk about the top five top fuel drivers, that's a that's a pretty That's a pretty good group. Um, A few of them don't have the cars to complement, you know, their talent. But
0: yeah, those would be those would be number eight, nine, and ten in the points right now. Those would be (laughs) those would be the few of them, which is Antron, (laughs) Sean, and Doug. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that'll change. I'm sure. I'm sure some things will shake up, but. Um, I think Justin Ashley is, is, you know, he's got everything that it takes. I mean, I look at Mike Green, and I just remember him with that Army shirt and all those championships yeah. that he won with Schumacher. So that's a very capable team. Um, but Mike Salinas, I think, could really mix things up. Um, but what needs to happen is I know there's – it's a little top-heavy still. You know, Doug, uh, they've made some improvements. Sean's car seemed to be a little more consistent uh, at the last race, it but, did. you know, they're still not there. There's still only, there's really like, well, I mean, Clay, you, you look at some cars, they can fire some shots, but the, the, the four best cars, Steve and Brittany and, and, Celine, and Mike and, um, and Justin, yeah. you know, those, those are the semi-finalists right there, but you get Clay, you get some of these cars that can fire shots. And, um, we just haven't really seen it from the Coletta team yet, but I just think that, it's too little too late and, and here again, unless Brittany can really do something spectacular um, it's going to be tough to beat Steve because he's found his rhythm um, I think they they presented a threat and and there are certain guys that you know that's what it takes you know there it, Steve's like a cat he was playing with the mouse and I think I think when they got close he said all right it's time to it's time to start biting the heads off of these mice here.
0: More intimidating car to race on Sunday, your opinion? Josh Hart or Brittany? The car? Yeah. Like which, which 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 car or team, if you're if you're sitting in there to lane, you're a crew chief, you're a car owner, whoever, and you're rolling up for first or second round, are you more intimidated, are you thinking more, are you sweating more if you're gonna race Brittany or are you gonna race Josh?
1: Well, Josh, I mean, hey, Josh Hart is He's proven himself. You know, he's solid. He's consistent. Brittany Force has the best car in top fuel. She pretty much has all year. Okay? that I mean, that's a fact. You just look at the numbers. Steve, what makes... Well, the reason Steve is sitting on the points lead is because you've got both. You've got the, the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah, they bang out rounds. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've got the car and the driver. I, I, I mean, it's tough it's tough to say I'd rather race Josh Hart. I mean, I, I, I'd actually, I'd rather race Josh because the, the, I've been waiting for Brittany, you know, just to get a little bit quicker. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the threat of that car. I do believe it'll outrun anyone. and The numbers show that they'll, they can outrun almost anyone, anyone. I'm just going to say, forget the almost, they can, they've proven it. They've showed their cards, but, you know, this is this is about man and woman and machine. And when when you have the car and the driver and both of those click, that you know to, that Steve's Steve's got the best, you know, he's got the best package right now. And and Brittany has the best car, but you know she gives up uh, three to four hundreds. And when you get to the semifinals and top fuel against you know some of these sharks, um, you can't be messing around with you know the seventy and eighty lights. They you can trip over one. I, I know that Justin's gotten away with it. <laughs> right, He's gotten away with it once or twice, but the majority of the time, these guys are pretty solid. And that's, you know, if you just go back, you look at the record, that's where Brittany has lost, um, a lot of races and maybe too many races at this stage, but, but she's still a threat because if she can pick it up a little bit and that car continues to run, uh, the way that it has, then, uh, she's only a couple of rounds out. So it's, it's, a, it's, you know, don't leave your seat. You're going to want to keep an eye on that one.
0: Your opinion, and I realize the math is the math is what it is on this, but your opinion, even if, if Brittany goes to the final against Steve, they race in the final and Steve wins, which would put him 93 ahead, would you pretty much stick a fork in it at that point? No,
1: no, because... Really? Okay. Because things happen to these cars, you know, and and, and I, I just remember when you're in the seat, when you're going down the track... You know things are just like everything is physics are suspended I mean because you hope the call make it down the track and yeah you know we haven't really seen a lot of explosions from Steve but the, the little bit that we that we have seen we've seen recently you know so you really got to hold your breath you're only holding your breath for four seconds but it's a good four seconds and when you know when there's so much on the line um, it, it just takes one cowboy to fire a shot at Steve Torrance in round number two, and Brittany Force to go to the final because she can easily go to the final. Yes. We know that. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. No, that's a so, that's a that's a great point. Like you said, it's yeah, so uh, you know it is. D- despite how good they are, anybody can stub their toe at any moment out here. We've seen it. Uh, one last question I have for you before I let you go, uh, Tony uh, Schumacher announcing that he's coming back full time at Top Fuel next year. Pretty neat announcement, I think. And and obviously he has a lot of hardcore fans that have been wanting him to be back. And we saw what he was capable of, even running that short schedule in 2020 and picking up a win. I think it thickens the plot even deeper in top fuel. And and when you look at our really our top eleven cars this year, because Josh Hart, because he ran the short season, you know, didn't uh didn't make the top ten. But now you're really going to look at twelve cars that are really very good. They're going to try to be fighting for ten spots, which is what this whole thing's supposed to be about.
1: I think there's a lot of good things that are coming. Um, you know, the announcement of Tony coming back. I think it's great. Um, you know, Tony. Tony is a very accomplished driver. He's very solid. He can compete with any of these good drivers that we've had conversations about. Um, you know, look for Doug Coletta to be in the thick of things, but to, so will Tony Schumacher. And 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 it seems it seems that Todd Okahara... Maybe tuning that car but i see a better car a better program with tony in the seat i'm not taking anything away from from leah but i think that tony contributes in a way that very few can contribute to a team uh and the reason for that is is you know you do you start the car up you do a burnout you back up um there's only so much that a driver is going to influence with one of these machines but those little things that a driver can do consistently and and respond to and react to those are the little things that that make the difference you know between winning and losing a we you and i can go down the list of of a lot of a lot of the outcomes of these races that could have gone the other way oh sure and tony schumacher is just one of those impact drivers that that falls on the other side of it. He is going to be responsible for this car being more consistent, and and when you have a driver that can be more consistent in the car, that helps the tuner. The tuner can then focus and eliminate a few things that he has to work around. And you know, Todd Okahara, is a—he's a talent. I mean, a lot of people forget he—you know—he could have potentially had a, a funny car championship. Yeah. You know, when Beckman switched from a, a dragster to funny car, he had the best car. Uh, Beckman hadn't evolved into the driver that he would eventually be, and he lost a lot of close races. He got beat on a couple of hole shots. One, I'll never forget, uh, by Force, and you know, of course, Force did that to a lot of guys, but I just, I'll never forget that car making a run for the championship, and Okahara was tuning it. And I think he's very talented um, uh, as a top fuel tuner, he's very accomplished. I just look for that to be a better program. And of course, you know, the Tony Stewart news that's, that's going to be great. But make no mistake about it, when Tony races Leah, I'm going to get a bag of M&M's and some popcorn and I'm just sit back and I'm going to enjoy that one just like you are.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think there is, um, you know, unsaid and, and, uh, you know, unassumed, <laughs> unassumed, there is definitely a seek and destroy element to this effort from Don Schumacher Racing <laughs> and no one will ever convince me otherwise. And I think it's, uh, again, it's going to be one of those kind of hidden elements of next year. Hey man, thanks for all the insight. Thanks for your opinion. And I will see you in just a couple days out at the strip at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I think, um, you know, I think it's a great thing when we really know that we're not going to be busting out any championship trophies until we get back to Pomona. So it always makes this race double the fun.
1: Good weather, full fields. It's going to be a good one. Thanks very much, Tony. See you, Brian.
0: So a great chat with Tony Pedragon. And the first thing you're going to notice is that this sounds different than when I was chatting with Tony Pedragon. And a crazy thing has happened where I live in Massachusetts, where we have had a massive uh, a couple of storms come through, or maybe one massive storm over the last day or so. Uh, it has uh, destroyed the electrical grid in our area. So I'm recording this in the complete darkness of my basement uh, to try to put it together to get it out uh, this week. So um, Bobby Bodie was slated to be the second guest of the show. He is not going to be appearing on the show because, frankly... Nobody else is appearing on this but me. I'm doing what I can to try to find an internet signal to actually send this to get it posted. So uh, kind of a weird deal. If you know anybody that lives in the New England area, you know that there's been a massive storm that's come through and kind of knocked out all kinds of electrical to the especially in the eastern the northeastern kind of coastal region it's been smashed pretty hard so i apologize for the shorter show than normal this week uh, but this is the best you're going to get because this is the best i got i'm standing here in complete darkness recording this and um well welcome to my life so there you go if you're listening this week vegas is going to be a great race i can't wait to get out of where i am right now because it is pitch black and there is no hope of electricity tomorrow so it's going to be awesome i'll figure that out when i get home Thanks for listening to the NHRA Insider, Insider Podcast. I'm Brian Lone, standing and talking to you in the pitch darkness. Thanks for listening.